You are entering an intriguing journey with spiritual lifestyle experts Keith and Charmé Amber, where you'll end up more at home with yourself, your behavior, and your understanding of life. Mastering Ourselves offers sound answers to life's tough questions so that life can make more sense to you and healthy directions become clearer. Keith and Charmé bring you over 80 years of seasoned experience. They pursue truth and insights that are neither left nor right, but spiritually sound and centered, and can be used as a spiritual compass to help you on your path. Welcome to Mastering Ourselves. Did you ever wonder why there are incredible pyramids all over the planet? Who built them? Why did they build them? Build them? Why are they there? And the Ark of the Covenant, we've all heard of that. Well, where is it and what is it and what's it for and what were, it, were its powers and gosh, where is it these days? That sounds pretty good. Keith, our, our, Keith, Keith, <laughs> Keith, when he was reading this book, you know, there was no getting him sideways to anything else. <laughs> like, we usually talk every day quite a bit, but not when he was reading this book. Everywhere he went, it was glued to his hand, and he just kept reading it and reading it and reading it. Fascinated. Poor Miss Muffet went around the house <laughs> pouting. <laughs> you know, this is, this is our kind of subject. We have so many ties in with this in our own personal life, and... We've had Frank Joseph, the author of our book, uh, The Ark of the Covenant. Uh, we've had him on numerous times. He, he's incredibly insightful. He's delightful to have on. He's written many books, Lemurians, Atlanteans, all kinds of dug-up information from the past that, you know, he substantiates. And you know what? And then he stores it in his noodle, and it's there forever. Yep. You can you can ask him a question about any of his books, and he just launches. It's like you got this big dam of information. Just stand <laughs> no. up and you pull a cork, and it just shoots it stuff goes. out. You got how do we cork this thing back up? Let's pull another one and get some other information. He's really good, uh, folks. Would you welcome to the show Frank Joseph, who co-authored this with Laura Bodwin. The book is called The Opening of Ark of the Covenant, The Secret Power of the Ancients, The Knights Templar Connection, and The Search for the Holy Grail. How you doing, Frank? Well, I'm doing fine, but that's a pretty hard introduction to follow now. <laughs> oh, we thought you were somebody else. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, I am somebody else. <laughs> Got you in an altered state, oh, do we? Oh, dear. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, um, let's start out... Uh, a lot of this started somewhere around Melchizedek in, in your book. And, and that Melchizedek means the king of righteousness, kings of righteousness, something like that? Yes, that's right. Uh, the trouble with uh, investigating the Ark of the Covenant is that there is no single beginning, that there are numerous beginnings. It's like uh, holding up a, a many-faceted jewel, and you just see it from a different perspective each time. That is a good place to begin with Melchizedek. Um, the story of Melchizedek, and I've delved into several different sources for this, uh, not just the the, uh, the Old Testament, and Melchizedek is in the Old Testament, but also the Hebrew tradition. They go into it uh, a little bit, the Hebrew esoteric tradition, I should say. They go into a little bit more detail. And uh, actually, archaeologists and historians have found that uh, this was apparently a real person or the title of several real persons. Mm -hmm. It may be a title that was given to a high priest. But in any way, 
the story of Melchizedek was is that when Noah survived the flood, he uh, arrived on the shores of what's today Palestine, and his own sons had turned out to be uh, quite uh, disappointing. And he needed to be able to hand down the wisdom, the high wisdom of before the flood. This is now the, the tradition that's found in a number of Hebrew books, especially the Talmud. You don't find too much of this in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, I think, the way we have it, is kind of a distillation and even excerpts from a great variety of Hebrew material. Some of it has disappeared, been lost over time, and others have been preserved. So it's like the Old Testament is kind of a, oh, a distillation of these other traditions. I see. And the story is that Noah brought with him some high wisdom and some treasure from before the flood. Now, this treasure doesn't refer to gold and, and jewels. And the treasure appears to be related, again, to wisdom or technology. The implication is technology. They don't use the word technology, but they use words like, oh, high magic and sorcery and things like that. Like higher consciousness technology? Yes, exactly. Uh, a technology that would refer directly to uh, the spiritual evolvement, the spiritual upgrading right. of human beings. Um, in any case, Noah was not only the survivor of the flood that we all know, but he was also the custodian of this high knowledge, this high magic or technology, however you want to put it. And his hope was to pass this on to his sons, but his sons turned out to be very problematical. Hold on one second. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts. We're offering a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions. Don't forget to catch us Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Saturday, we do two hours. Our guest today, Frank Joseph, co-author of Opening the Ark of the Covenant. We're finding out some fascinating things, not only about the Ark of the Covenant, but also about why there are pyramids all over the planet. Uh, go ahead, Frank. Well, I'll try to be more succinct in this. Uh, That's okay. Uh, what Noah did is when he, the story is that when he landed on the shores of Palestine, this is just one version of the, the whole flood story, mm -hmm. that he arrived with this high wisdom. He could not turn it over to his sons, who didn't measure up to the... Um, spiritual rigors that he had in mind for them, and right. so he chose a Gentile uh, a, uh, who lived in Palestine and who was known for his purity, his purity of heart, and his high-mindedness. And he referred to this gentleman, this, this young man, as Melchizedek, which, as you say, is a kind of a title later understood to be like the king of righteousness. And it was to this Melchizedek that the high wisdom of the ancient world, of the pre-flood world, was passed. Now, there's a tremendous book. I, this is, I'm going to tell you something now which I learned only after I wrote the book, yeah. and I wish I had known about it in the future editions. Hopefully, I get a chance to put this in. Sure. Uh, I'm referring specifically to a wonderful book by Brad Steiger called Worlds Before Our Own. He cites additional Hebrew sources that I was not familiar with, which talk about that when Noah brought this high wisdom, he also had with him a stone, a valuable, luminous stone that gave off a kind of radiant energy. So much so, the story goes, that this stone was able to illuminate the inside of the, the ark. Now, we're not talking about the ark of the covenant, we're talking about the, the vessel, the boat, the right. ship that Noah had. 
supposedly illuminated the inside of the ark, and this was also passed on to Melchizedek. Well, that fits in really well with this whole story of this precious stone that we can get into, and it was inscribed with these words of wisdom. And this is the stone that was entrusted to Melchizedek, along with his high knowledge, how to use this stone. This stone appears to have been a remnant of an extremely high technology, which I've tried my very best to show in opening the Ark of the Covenant, really existed, that there were former cultures that possessed technologies that were, in some regards, superior to our own. They certainly understood the use of quartz crystal, uh, in the same way that we're now beginning to understand things like, well, the use of Silicon Valley and places like that, and that this stone was handed on to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek, as Noah had hoped for, passed it down to his descendants. And in this line of Melchizedek was, in fact, Jesus himself. So this ancient wisdom passed right on through, all the way down this long line. Jesus is described as one of the descendants of Melchizedek. And the, the place where this stone was supposed to be put, although was not, was on top of Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. And that later became the Temple Mount, where Solomon erected his temple. And finally, after many years of uh, struggle and, uh, and being lost in the wilderness and so on, established the Ark of the Covenant. That's the main reason. That's the only reason why Solomon built his temple. It wasn't just a temple for worship. It was a repository. It was built specifically as a repository for the Aran Habarit, literally the Ark of the Covenant. And that's when Israel reached its golden age and its glory, and we can get into that. But that, that's how Melchizedek played a yes. very vital role. He was the receptacle for this lost knowledge and the receiver of this great stone, which plays this major role in the story of the Ark of the Covenant. So it sounds like um, King Solomon built his temple around the Ark of the Covenant, and that might be part of where the, his greatness came, and, and he was known for great wisdom, too. Do you suppose that had a connection? I have no doubt about that, because this stone is referred to as the Stone of Destiny. It passed through numerous cultures. Basically, all these cultures refer to it by the same name, and that is the Fire Stone, uh, the stone of, of energy. The Egyptians called it the Ben-Ben stone, which means literally the fire stone. The inhabitants of the Canary Islands off the coast of North Africa refer, refer to it literally as the fire stone. So was that before or after the big Egyptian? I believe that it, a, either the stone itself or a version of the stone passed through the Canary Islands from lost Atlantis. Now, I know this is an incredible statement to make. A lot of people don't even believe Atlantis existed. We're in the realm of fantasy. I can only compress so much within a couple of hours. But the origins of this stone, as spelled out in the Egyptian traditions, unquestionably point back to a place of origin in the Atlantic Ocean. Also, the technology that went into building this stone, the crafting this stone, was similar to the technology that we have today in that when we make a space shuttle, we don't just make one space shuttle, we make several. And I think it was the same thing in the ancient world where they were able to craft this quartz crystal. They made an electronic quartz crystal, and I'll explain later what that is, and they didn't just make one. Perhaps their best and their most famous one became part of the Egyptian Stone of Destiny, better known today as the Emerald Tablet, mm -hmm. and certainly best known as the... Uh, treasure inside the Ark of the Covenant. That is what was inside. The Ark of the Covenant refers only to the box, to the container 
Yes. The object was so sacred, it was so holy, it could not be mentioned directly. That's why it's referred to as a covenant or a relationship. That's what covenant means, a special relationship between you or a people and something else. Yeah, okay. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmy Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts offering a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions. Thank you very much for joining us today. Don't forget to catch us Tuesday, Wednesdays, Friday, Saturdays, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. Saturdays we air for two hours. Our guest today is Frank Joseph, co-author of Opening the Ark of the Covenant, a wonderful and informative history lesson on the Ark of the, of the Covenant and related topics. So, Frank, what's the urna? The urna is referred to as a emerald that was in the forehead, actually, of several uh, Hindu gods. Uh, it's referred to as the sometimes as the, the third eye of Shiva or the third eye of Indra. These were Hindu gods, are still regarded, revered, and worshipped as Hindu gods today. Indra was a very old Aryan concept that goes back to thousands of years ago. He was the god of the sky, which means that he was the god of infinite possibilities. I find that very interesting. This is Indra? Indra. Okay. The other god that the Urna was associated with, this the emerald eye, as it were, is associated with Shiva, And Shiva is the god of transformation. Now, all these mythical concepts are symbolic of what this stone was. What I believe this stone was, was an electronic quartz crystal. Now, what that means is every crystal that grows naturally has what is known as rutilations or striations, these lines that grow through them. It's part of the the growth process of every crystal. Yeah. Got about 20 seconds before break. Okay. And that's what I believe this, this content inside the Ark of the Covenant was, was an electronic quartz crystal that some high technology, high society was able to do a long time ago. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmy Amber. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today, Frank Joseph, we're talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Stay with us. we got way more. This is very cool. Hang on. <laughs> 